0: When we came up with the idea of talking about real life inspiration for our writing, I had in mind something like uh, conversations I'd overheard on a train or the rather bizarre acknowledgement. I read of somebody thanking a meteorologist for confirming whether there was a storm on a certain day in 1942, because it was a key element in the plot. I was thinking, does that even matter if there was a real storm or not? But apparently it did. But it isn't just those personal things or those really individual things um, that can inspire us, but it's the bigger um, the bigger events as well, as I have just learned from FOTIS. So, FOTIS, your inspirations are national and real.
1: Indeed. I think... Um, my, my
2: what I'm trying to write about definitely has a place and time in history. My I'm, I'm absolutely certain that I want to write about the present. Of course, what we define as present is my lifetime and uh, possibly the generation before me, because I'm I think I'm directly affected by that uh, by that generation. Uh, I don't think I can make it more contemporary than that without becoming dystopian and writing about the future. So, because anyway, when we write about what's happening now, we always write about the years that, you know, the a few years before. So I'm, I'm trying to think in my life, what events stood out that uh, brought division essentially between people? And uh, in Greece, uh, in 2016, we had a referendum about whether we should it was very weirdly phrased, and I think that, that that requires a chapter on its own. How, how, whether Greece should stay in the euro zone, as uh, whether they should keep the euro, uh, the euro as their currency, whether they should accept the measures that the European Union would impose on Greece, and that brought a big debate between the Greeks that said, "Why not go back to the drachma?", and those who said uh no we should stay in the european union and maintain that connection with the eurozone that brought other debates as well those who live abroad should should they have an opinion on that discussion or not and i saw that with my own eyes of course in facebook forums but that doesn't take away that they are real people expressing opinions i'm not saying they were uh, you know uh Scientific approaches to the to the topic, but that's what interests me. You know, the debate between uh, everyday people like us. And uh, I think I saw quite a few times that if you are not in Greece, if your money is not invested in Greek in Greece, if you don't, if you're not part of Greek banks, then I think you shouldn't have an opinion on the matter, or you know, your your opinion has less uh, merit, as it were. Uh, especially if I was pro-European, because there was a lot of a lot of passion at the time to stand up to the european union and the measures they were imposing so i think you can see from the way i present the things the the the, the, the complex matter how it, it definitely has an effect on people's relationships uh in the way we view ourselves within a country or um of, or whether you are you're living abroad as a foreigner um and, and i think that that inspired me from from day one to look at it as an event in I don't know if I, I don't know if I want this to be uh, the main event or it's part of the story. Uh, but definitely, it's, it's, it affects the plot in one way or another because I think people change. You know, opinions come to the to the fore, uh, and I think that's where there's space for the characters to develop or you know have a, a conversation about the, the topics. Of course, getting a balanced approach to it mm-hmm. is is very interesting, and and you have to be careful. And I always, I think, discuss these things with 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 people like you. I think I've mentioned them in the past in, in writing groups. Uh, I always, I'm always happy to listen to other people's views before I uh, develop, you know, um, a position for the character. I don't think I, I need to develop this just by myself. So this is my view, essentially. I don't know what you think about it.
0: Um, guys. I'm quite interested that it it's your story went looking for an event rather than the event prompted a story in you. Was that accurate? So you needed to represent an aspect of your plot and this event suited it rather than this event happened and you thought, oh, I must write about that. Oh, that's... <laughs>
1: oh.
2: <laughs> that, that, I'm, tra- I'm trying to see, I'm trying to, to uh, understand the question because... Uh, I'm trying to remember what actually what actually
0: happened. Can can you say that again? Yeah, so so did were well you you've had this idea for your book for a while. So did you want to represent division and you thought oh this is a good event that I can use in order to show division. That thing happened and I can use that and I can work that in or was it that that thing happened and you thought I must write about that. I need to build a plot around it. Which way round?
2: I, I, I didn't build the plot around it. What mm. happened is, because this happened in 2016 and my, my decision to start you know, dealing with writing uh, came after that actually. Uh, I think I always felt, and based on the reading I was doing and the, the, the authors I was reading, I think I always knew that some of my writing would come out of real situations. Uh, and this was so big at the time that I think it's, I cannot ignore it. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm not building
0: the plot around it. I think it's very simple for me to add it because
2: it's 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 very. If when you're talking about politics in Greece, this fits right in there. So if I'm if I'm making a political situation set in Greece, and especially since uh, I'm interested at the moment in the in the co- in the con- in the contrast between living away from Greece and and. Um, Someone living in Greece, and you know how these identities are formed and, and class in a way, on the on the, on what constitutes Greek identity. I thought this would just be a nice uh, step or a nice chapter or a nice, um, not nice, <laughs> an <laughs> event within the story, uh, but yeah, uh, I think it it needs to be done. Uh, it, it needs to be done well, and it needs to fit. In the overarching story, and not just be uh, out of the blue. It must have some some relevance and some influence uh, to the story. You know, big relevance to the story. Otherwise, it's just some, just me forcing things into the story that mm-hmm. doesn't fit. I don't I don't want to do that. So uh, so far, for example, although it was always there in my head as a, as an event that saved somehow my characters, it didn't appear in the hasn't appeared yet in the writing. Um, but it's always in the back of my head that this this has happened. You know, I can't ignore it as a, as a as a formation of my story. Um, so at the moment, I'm using a different event, uh, which I think is also universal in other countries, which relates to police brutality as well. Hmm.
1: That's interesting about the the idea that kind of wanting to fit it in naturally, um, it having a natural place within your world even though it's a real world event and your story is set within the real world actually the story is always going to be set in potter's world because it's always your world to play around with but you want it to naturally be a part of it as opposed to shoehorning it in or you know um yeah I, I i'm finding this this topic fascinating because real world we talked about real-life inspiration, but I, I was just thinking about it on a personal level, mm. about people I know, things that happen happened to me, things that happen happened Same. to people I'm close to. Now starting to think about... And even talking about... When we talked about news stories, I was thinking about those small little nuggets of information you pick up on. Now we're talking about real-world events and how they fit into those things, which is a, a kind of delicate area in its own right. You've got creative license. It is your world, so you can shape it and change those things you know people have rewritten uh, wars rewritten you know the, the the course of history in their books and that's absolutely fine to do but i think naturally probably knowing our sensibilities a little bit we feel a little bit of a responsibility to do those things in a in a in a certain way and not just completely bastardize things that have that have happened i mm-hmm. think we maybe if it's fun to do that we, we might do it but certainly in the story that you're talking about, for is you obviously want to do it in a delicate and um, responsible way. I the, the thing that keeps striking me is COVID. So there's this whole big debate at the minute, isn't there, about I think probably all three of us and probably most of the people I know are negatively anticipating this swathe of COVID-related content that's going to be coming. I mean, I'm already at the point now where COVID-related, news stories, COVID-related, featured articles, long reads, all these sorts of things. I'm really struggling to read them. It just, it's become noise now. It's Mm -hmm. become repetitive. Um, And I can't, I can't personally think, and I do think about this a lot, what I could do to capture COVID that would give an interesting angle. So uh, what I think about is do I set my stories in a world that's post-COVID and just, the elements of it are in there, people wearing masks, stuff like that. But in in terms of actually tackling COVID more head on, I can't think of an interesting angle. And I'm definitely going to need really, really creative, interesting angles from mm. people for me to be invested in it. Because it's, it's going to be a lot of hard work for me as an audience member to be invested in that because I'm already very bored of it. And, um, you know, there was a real pickup in reading about, um Plague writing and, and and dystopian stories, from what I, from what I've read about, and I think it was also the same in certain content um, becoming very popular in terms of TV and film. But I am nervous that there's going to be a lot of COVID-related storytelling in the future. Um, I, I, it's not it's not interesting enough um, just to
0: just to cover lockdowns pandemics and stuff like that. I, I need yeah. a really
1: interesting creative angle some real imagination
0: given. I, I agree yeah it's like what Foti said it's got to be in the service of the story hasn't it not the story itself mm. it's got to it's got to be the backdrop or the context or a prompt and it might be off stage the whole time those those would be the good stories because those are stories in their own right they're not about that thing
1: Another thing that just pops into my mind: I don't like biopics as movies. i I can't stand biopics. I, I just biopics whatever, people uh, go. They just make me i don't know I just I, I, they just make me uncomfortable. I, I don't like it. I don't like the kind of reverence of like someone's life and, and, and that person transforming into them. but what I am, really do enjoy is when a particular moment in history is covered. And it, that's kind of like the sneaky way to get me to watch a biopic, is if you just cover that real crucial point in someone's life. Um, so like the movie Selma, I, I I really, for want of a better word, enjoyed Selma, because it was covering a very specific event and moment, and uh, and not just one character, but other characters around that story. So those things have really interest me. And so I feel like that, in terms of storytelling, but I would read that about things that have happened in the last 40, 50, 60 years. But right now I'm just not ready for COVID. Maybe in 40, 50, 60 years time, I will be. And I'll be like, oh yeah, that's, that's really, it's really cool. I really like what they've done or, um, I'll be ready to go back to it. But right now we're still living within it. And uh, there's nothing that I, I, I think I want escapism right now. I want kind of mm-hmm. complete distraction from that stuff. I don't need the reminder. I don't need the debate about it as well. And I don't need the kind of um, people's views on it particularly. We're living within it. It's it's still too early for me. Again, I think,
0: yes, yes, Karina. Well, I was just thinking it's like the wrong kind of inspiration, the wrong kind of real life inspiration.
2: For example, if I I were to approach COVID, I'm more interested about the debate for the vaccines rather than the COVID itself. So what fascinates me about uh, the last few months is, is, you know, the debate around um, Mm -hmm. the conspiracy theories, the the, the denial of some people to do the vaccine, the reasons behind it. Uh, I understand if people, you know, not feeling necessarily safe, uh, you know, with every vaccine thrown at them. Um, So, I think that's what that, that's the equivalent of the debate that I mentioned earlier with with Chris, for example, and uh, the debate with the referendum. So uh, that's what I would use as as inspiration from this situation. It's it's one example, of course. I've not think thought about it too much, um, but yeah, COVID as as a as a as an event, I think, uh, yeah, it's 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 too big at once, and I hope not here to stay. <laughs> yeah. So um, there, there are other occurrences in history of, of you know, plagues, you know, big... Uh, what's interesting is, is to, to look at it from a historic perspective and, and see how, whether we did anything differently or whether it's justified the way we, we approached it, you know, given that we have a different way of communicating things now compared to 500 years ago when a plague would be, you know, would have a different impact on society because there were not measures in place to, to defend it. So I think I think there's a story there. I think there are many stories there in terms of how we interpret again uh, human behavior, if you like. Uh, and yeah, but that's not something I'm going to approach at the moment.
1: <laughs> I do <laughs> like the idea. Of the, I do like the idea of the historical context. That that does interest me. And in the job that I've recently started, a kind of future context for these things is always really Um, good and and, and a really good insight. Um, So those things, but it's definitely in the
0: non-fiction realm, I think I'm thinking more in terms of fiction and stories
1: and if I have to hear another podcast or read another story about love in the age of Covid, (laughs) like I'll just stop, I'll just stop ingesting content ever um until until we're definitely out of this time the historical context is really interesting like you say the the comparisons and going back through history but like when you talk about the conspiracy theory angle that is really interesting in relation to COVID. but for me i want to see a story about conspiracy theories as a
0: you know as a whole it it doesn't not just focused on uh, COVID, not
1: just on um vaccine kind of anti-vaccine anti-vax type mindsets. Um, Adam Curtis who's a documentary maker has recently had a series called um, Can't Get You Out of My Head uh, that was on, that's on the iPlayer and it's really interesting and that touches on conspiracy theories and and how they how they start. It's just it on a lot of, I think it's what is it called, um, I can't remember what the description of the series is but it, it takes in so many different kind of political kind of lots of lots of uh, lots of areas of history and draws a lot of comparisons and gives that kind of context but it's looking at conspiracy theories from a broader perspective and that's more interesting to me um, but then maybe that's also because I'm I'm finding myself enraged by certain things like that and and it's mm. when it comes to COVID and, and in this immediate time
0: because I said about escapism but maybe in two years
1: time I'll be ready to read about people's theories on 5G and COVID and, you know, but right now I just, I've read so much of it.
2: It just makes me want to grind my teeth and, and switch off. If I had to, you know, if we're talking about fiction based on real life events as, as we have done so far, I'm thinking that, for example, uh, it just came to my mind now, if I had to write a story about the vaccine and the, you know, anti-vaxxers, I wouldn't make it, you know, very obvious. It would make, for example, I would start the story from from the point where one gets a vaccine and one doesn't and what happens given the restrictions that are put in place slowly in the discussions about the certificate. So I would build a story around that. And and of course, I don't have the answers now for a plot and what would that mean. But you can see, for example, if they say, uh, if you don't get the vaccine, you won't be able to travel in some places. So maybe there is an element there to the fiction. What do you do with that? So you you, you take the facts and, and what do you make of them? So, and you make up a story. Uh, of course, it's important what you want to say in the end. You want to say to people, you know, it's good to take a vaccine, then you probably steer the story towards that direction, that the character that gets the vaccine probably has a better ending than the one ha- that doesn't get a vaccine. But if you want to defend someone's right not to have a vaccine, then you can make the character like they're standing up for their own beliefs, you know, you and make them like, and you can take that to a political extent and say, look what they're doing with, with the... Uh, you know, governments, uh, they 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 are using COVID as an excuse to pass this and this and this and these bills. For example, the Sarah Everard uh, situation the other day, women went to protest uh, peacefully and they ended up getting uh, arrested and beaten up. So if there isn't a story there, I don't know where there is a story, If you know, about suppression and oppression and injustice and um, all these conversations, if you don't have a story from this situation which involves COVID, which involves all these restrictions, you know, and the government affecting this sort of process, I don't know, I don't know, you know, these are the kinds of books that always inspired me, you know, to read. I think that they bring me a topic that I'm, I'm very interested from a fictional point of view so I can understand it, you know.
0: Mm. I like, it's making me think, listening to you of, um, I like the allegorical or metaphorical style of dealing with this kind of issue and there's a short story by ian forster called the machine stops and i i've read a few things by him and i have to say it's not my style but this this story is brilliant um it's about um a population a nation i guess maybe it's the world who take two living underground they all live in pods underground They have everything they need provided for them. They talk on little cameras all the time and they attend lectures on their little screens and they never leave their rooms and they're very happy. And they do all of this because the top of the surface is poisonous. This is what they've been told. It's too dangerous out there. So they have to go in here and they all willingly do it until one day somebody starts or what happens something's brought to her attention and she doesn't want to know about it she doesn't want to hear it but she has to hear it and she has to know and it's forced the knowledge is forced upon her that the world that she thinks she knows is not the world that is actually the one she's living in and it's such a neat turn uh the way that something is thrust upon you and your comfortable life is upset and things are being kept from you But it's in such a fantastical way. I suppose it is science fiction-y, really, which is quite odd for Ian Forster. But I suppose a lot of his stuff is fantastical. But, yeah, it it makes the point in a really separate, detached way. And I think I like that because I think I get too depressed thinking about the world as it actually is. I want (laughs) to – it's too awful. I want to go out and find a different world that I can learn stuff in
1: yeah yeah i mean just going back to the sarah everard stuff it's um i'm and this is just subjectively i i i don't want to see watch read the um the police procedural on that because i the whole story just i find really upsetting um and and it's an area of london i i you know, I used to live around there, and I'm 33, and lived in Brixton, and and have a have a lot of female friends and stuff like that who live and work in London. It's, it's so, it, and just for family and everything like that, everything is just too upsetting, and I don't want to see that sort of thing. But again, for me, what interests me is that stepping back and the the, the larger story about um the kind of attitudes towards um women and um. Yeah, I've just got a book. I haven't read it yet. Um, which is called Men Who Hate Women. Um and from what and it talks about incels as focused on stuff like that. And and that whole piece really interests me, as well as the this this attitude that would that was seen over the weekend of um it's okay to basically tell women what to do and say, um in the immediate aftermath
0: of the Sarah of the assessment was well, should women be walking home that late at
1: night? Should it, you know, that was the immediate question that was being asked. And I felt like that was an instinctive response from a lot of people like, well, why was she walking home alone at night and, you know, when actually that's not the question that should be being asked for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people commented on this is the fact that the question is about, um, men's attitudes and, 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 and society's attitudes towards the safety and the treatment and the respect of, of women and, and, of, and of other, you know, um, other demographics and stuff like that. But I, that's the piece I am more interested in and I find myself already fascinated mm-hmm. with. Um, so that's just a subjective thing of like, but there are going to be other people who just cannot wait for that police procedural. Um, not not. I don't mean in a kind of, you know, morbid, kind of mm. um just love for that sort of stuff but that that's what they're more interested in is the story of, of that night and, and whatever happened um but for me I, yeah i find that bit just too disturbing um what i'm more interested in is yeah the what the larger kind of piece about yeah mm. and i think that's always going to be my interest that's that's the stuff that the COVID stuff that will interest me is the historical context of it
2: um, uh, two things. One is when Karina was talking about Ian, Ian
0: Forster. E.M. Forster. Yep.
2: E.M. Forster. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, that it did not remind me like Plato's cave in a way, uh, what you were uh, describing there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So I, I do I do enjoy an, 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 allegory, an allegory indeed. I'm, I think I agree with you. Uh, and you know when you were describing the story, I was like, uh, wow first and foremost, uh, I think it's always beautiful to see something like that, you know, passing a message, uh, you know, uh, in a story like that. Uh, I think you learn so much, you know, and you and you look at the world differently after you read something something so meaningful. Um, the other thing I want to say about real life, you know, inspiration stories, that's, which is uh, our discussion here in a way. And one way we have the events and the other one we have people, you know, and I don't know if you watched on Netflix the story about the four black people that were accused uh, that they raped and killed, uh, raped essentially, uh, a woman in New York. Uh, I can't remember now the title of the series. Um, this is Central Park Five. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and how that uh, essentially became um, a limited series on Netflix. Uh, but I think all of these stories are are they from from real life? Um, you know, h- how do you fictionalize uh, an event like that? I think that's that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting art form of art because I think I wouldn't know about it had I not seen it on Netflix. Not that I'm that not that I should wait for things to come out on Netflix, of course, but. Because I don't live in the United States, it's not obvious for me that you know this story does. It. It's not very easily uh, filters through my uh, you know uh, through my uh, field uh, of communication, as it were. So um, I, I think there is a value there. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going with us engaging with even some saddest you know sadder parts of, of these stories. You know, I know it's difficult. I know it's grim. Um, but I am grateful to these that these people that that actually um, take the initiative to, to tell even these difficult stories. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's my comment.
0: It, it makes me actually wonder, are there any stories that are not somehow based on anything to do with real life? I mean, is that even that's possible? A that's a good question. Yeah, because you, you're admiring the people that can fictionalise a real event and tell it well, find an angle or a perspective that gives something fresh, but can we even find somebody that doesn't take inspiration?
2: Oh. Think about your work, Karina, can you, can you even, a little bit if you force yourself, can you think your work as something, what, what whether it has a relevancy with some real life event?
0: Um, I think not an event as such, but certainly um, situations and uh, characters and scenarios in which people find themselves and how they might respond. Mm -hmm. I think those things, not everything, obviously. I'm not just patching together a bunch of newspaper (laughs) clippings. But, yeah, I think certainly I'm not writing anything that is beyond the realms of Possibility, and that isn't based on stuff that I feel or know or have experienced or have read or seen somewhere. I'm sure of it. Yeah.
1: And I think it's important with fiction that those, because nonfiction does this all the time, but fiction explores some of these things that we don't know about. So you're saying about Central Park Five, and mm. you're saying no, you know. Yeah, I shouldn't be getting my these things from Netflix, but actually, these these avenues, these places, are really good points to engage people mm. with these things in a in a, a different way. It's classed as entertainment, but it doesn't mean that it's all laughing. It, it, there is, should be some stuff where you are engaging and thinking about these things more deeply. So, I think what what terrifies me is that responsibility. That's what always gets to me. I just think, am I doing this right? Am I doing this? That's why I've steered towards just doing stupid stuff up (laughs) to now. But I definitely want to go for the other stuff. um, Yeah. Find a perspective that feels yeah
0: unique. Take the plunge. Mm. And in a last note of real life inspiration, happy birthday to the crime queen today.
1: Happy birthday to the crime
0: queen.